uh, here we are at the uh, Sustainable Population Australia launch of the new discussion paper, How Many Australians, written by uh, Paul Collins. And it's a very significant piece of work thinking about our population in Australia. Hello, uh, Paul. Hi, Rod. Uh, now, what got you involved in writing this paper? What got you thinking about population in general? Uh, I've been thinking about population probably since the early 90s. Um, I, I've, um, I've written a couple of books on, um, on um, the, 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 the theology of the environment, if you like. And one of the things that I, I came to realise when doing that is just how important now central the question of world overpopulation, and I stress overpopulation, uh, is because of its impact on the environment. Um, I lived in the United States for some on and off for seven years, and in the U.S. Um, you see magnificent and beautiful places absolutely ruined uh, by by industry, but but also by enormous numbers of people who, of course, are looking for jobs in those industries. So it, first in the U.S. and then having visited China a couple of times, um, when I when I look at a city like Shanghai, I. You know, it is just an awful place. It, it is a place you would never want to live because there is this, there is nothing natural there. I mean, even the river that flows through it uh, is so polluted; it's not natural. So. Uh, in China, you see the impact of population. So uh, it's been it's been kind of um, you know um, stewing away in my mind for a long time. Um, in I've, I've written two books on theology and the environment, and in both of them, I have a chapter on on population. Um, but uh, by in the last couple of years, I've just decided I've got to put this down in one book, uh, not as part of something else, but to make it the primary focus. And so out of that came the Depopulation Imperative, which was published last year, 19, uh, 2021, uh, by um, Australian Scholarly in Melbourne. And then um, Jenny came to me, um, Jenny Goldie, and asked me if I would be interested to do a research paper, discussion paper for SPA. Um, and I leapt at the idea. And um, this paper is the product of it. Well, I haven't read it yet, but I look forward to doing that. Now I should mention since you, you talk about the population in the United States that we are so lucky in Australia. I was in Yosemite Valley and there was a traffic jam of cars leaving in the afternoon. I can't imagine that. Uh, we went to like in almost any national park in Australia and, and a traffic jam well, sadly, I was in a traffic jam in a national park in Australia three months ago, uh, and that is the, I can't remember the name of it, it's that smallish national park that's about um, 80 kilometres south of Darwin. And literally, the Litchfield National Park, thank you. And uh, literally, I may as well have been on, in Swanson Street in Melbourne or Pitt Street in Sydney or any main street in an Australian city. It was literally packed with people. And the beautiful swimming pool at the bottom of a lovely waterfall just was just literally filled with people as though it was the Olympic baths. And, um, and I, I, I mean, Litchfield's not always like that, I'm sure, and I was there at the height of the season. But um, it, it, it really is interesting, you know, 
I think that if you're going to appreciate nature, you have to be able to contemplate nature. You have to, you have to get out of yourself, leave yourself behind, and go out into the world around you and experience the tangible presences that are there in nature. You simply can't do that when you're surrounded by chattering human beings. Now, I'm not against people swimming at Litchfield National Park, and in some ways it's good that there were people there. But um, there is no... We, we have lost the sense to see nature not as a place for our entertainment, but as a place where we may well discover deeper aspects of ourselves and deeper aspects of the world around us, and above all, discover, in a way, almost the personality of the animals that surround us. That's, a, that's another thing. Um, more and more, and, and here I follow St. Francis of Assisi, who related to animals as persons. He talked about Brother Wolf um, and Sister, you know, whatever the other animal was. Uh, I in increasingly feel we need to discover the personality that exists in all animals. We can see it in our pets, perhaps, in the dogs and cats and the animals that are domesticated, but I think that's true of wild animals as well. Well, I, I'm not a religious person, but I've, I've got to say that having spent time uh, standing in the middle of a vast gibber desert where there's nothing but horizon to horizon and not another soul inside, it's a spiritual experience and, and there's a lot to see where there is nothing. But um, the Litchfield you mentioned and Kakadu, of course, and parts of northern Australia have a huge significance for Indigenous Australians. What can we learn from Indigenous people? Well, um, look, I think, we've, I think we can... Firstly, before we learn from Indigenous people, we've got to recover ourselves. And one of, uh, one of the most striking things that's ever been said to me was said by a man who has absolutely no background in religion, who knows nothing about theology, but is one of the... Well, probably the greatest bushwalker in Tasmania. And he was a, he was a campaigner for the Wilderness Society. And he spoke to me of being out in the absolute wilderness and saying you intuit the presences there. This word presence is very, very interesting because if you look at mystics of the great religions, but certainly Christian mystics, they speak of God in terms of presence. They are aware of a presence and they don't want to define it any further than that. Um, you just leave it to churches to want to define everything for you, but mystics don't do that. And I think we've got to recover that in ourselves. All of us have got the potential to experience that. And you, you don't have to be a Christian, you don't have to be churchy, you don't have to be religious. You can experience it, as my friend did, who's not churchy and not religious. From, the, in, from indigenous people, they had that naturally. They knew who they were in the environment. They had a... The environment was as much part of who they were, whereas we live this dichotomized existence in artificial lifestyles cut off from the natural world. I mean, I mean that's the horrifying thing in China, is the absolute um, way in which um, the people are cut off from 
nature and uh, without nature I, I hate to say this but I think we're not human Does that detachment allow us to discount and ignore the environmental impacts of what we do? Yeah, It's because we live at such a superficial level uh, at, uh, I mean that so much of our of our dialogue in uh, of the discussion that goes on within you know late modernism or postmodernism whatever you want to call it our culture um, so much of it is completely superficial it is actually endlessly about individuals it's endlessly about my rights as over against society but above all it's divorced from living in nature and um, we're the product of nature. We evolved from nature. Uh, we belong in nature. We have no meaning outside of nature. And now, um, most people would say, well, what's this bloke? He calls himself a Catholic saying that. But I'm sorry, but that is fundamental theology. Um, that's, you know, what is God? God is a transcendent presence. Um, what is nature? what you experience in nature is a form of transcendent presence. Um, and I've heard this from bushwalkers all over the place. You know, I, I remember talking to a bloke who was a bigger activist in, in Sydney, and he said, I said, where, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the bush, for, and I'm going for a retreat. Now, a term retreat is what you do in Christianity when you go to a place and, you know, go on quiet for the week. What he was doing was actually doing much better than going to some place, you know, in the built environment. He was going to live in nature. So as a former Catholic minister, is that the right term? As a former Too Catholic... Priest, minister, whatever you like, yep. As a former Catholic minister, I can see that is probably very deep in your, your thinking. I wanted to just bring it on to now climate change, and we've just had the COP27, and did population get a mention at all there, as far as you know? Well, there was a reference to it in the final talk uh, by the uh, by the chair of the whole conference, the Egyptian gentleman who was the chair of the conference and um, he said uh, we've got to make sure that we're able to feed the world population and, but I could find no other reference to population anywhere uh, but I can't say that I searched the web page diligently but I had a fairly good look at it and I could find no reference to population. The whole thing was completely human-centred, anthropocentric. Um, it's good that we're compensating uh, developing countries for, you know, bearing the brunt of much of the um, of much of climate change. Um, but um, what we've got to make sure, I mean, is that the the flip side of that is that they have got to do something about their populations. I mean. Just conceive of the fact that the average age in Ethiopia is 19. Now, th these people are just entering their fertile period. Um, you know, so um, the notion that somehow population is in decline, it is a bit overall, but once you go to specific places like Ethiopia, um, a, place, a place like Niger that I mentioned in the, in the lecture, Burkina Faso, which is a neighbouring country, Nigeria, another neighbouring country in West Africa, I mean, you're looking at inconceivable numbers from our perspective.
Well, uh, Paul, I think we could have a much longer, very rich conversation, but I know there's quite a few people here at this uh, event who I think would really much like to, to talk to you. So I won't monopolise your company, and uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Rod. Thank you. Yeah.